We're going to do something we don't usually do a whole lot on this here radio program. First off, let's just say good Monday afternoon to you. Hope everybody had just a fantastic weekend full of relaxation, full of sitting on the couch, consuming sports, watching JT come back and win his second major, winning the PGA Championship over the weekend out there in Oklahoma. Good for him. Yeah, I don't know why I put a Wisconsin accent on Oklahoma. That was kind of interesting, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was kind of going for like the oh, you you. Oklahoma, and then I ended up with the Oklahoma. Yeah, you got cut off there. Don't in the you know? You got a little Larry the Cable guy there in the middle yeah, of that. Oh no! If anyone <laughs> remembers you that me, backstory, you call me a fraud. Uh, that being said, <laughs> it was a great weekend uh, in sports. A ton of stuff happening inside the NBA, just like in-game drama-wise, which I'm here for. You got players wearing white T-shirts on the sideline because the opposing team is wearing white jerseys. Mm-hmm. And so in the heat of the moment, the one of the players throws the ball out of bounds because he sees the white shirt on the sideline. Can I tangent like right off the start? That's what we're here for. Yes. I, I think if you're going to be on the sideline of an NBA game, very like very minimally, you shouldn't be able to wear the same color as another team. So like in soccer, right, the keeper for – a team is not allowed to wear the same color uniform as the other team. And yeah. the same with the officials, right? The officials, if uh, if they are typically wearing like white and black stripes and Juventus is playing a game, they'll switch to a different color uniform for the officials so there's no confusion. Yeah. I think in NBA games, because you're so close to the court, uh, you should have to wear, even if you're not playing, you should have to wear like a team jumper or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, if you if you want to wear whatever you want to wear and you want to sit in the stands behind the bench, fine. But if you're going to be on the court, yeah. I think you should have to wear like team issue stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very uh, that's a that's a very good rule. I mean, we've all seen the that's part of it, right? You have the next level, you know, thought process of should I wear the same colors as my team and or the other team? Maybe trick some things, whatever. And then you also have we've all seen the pictures of like Ben Simmons where. Brooklyn Nets are all wearing like black and white and everything, and all of a sudden there's Ben Simmons and like pink overalls yeah. and uh, the yellow button up and and sunglasses. And you're like, what? What are you doing here? Like, you're just obviously not really trying to be part of the team, but not part of the team. Like, just trying yeah. to make someone's Instagram. Like, it, it, dude, like, dude, just stop. Just well, put a, like you said, put on a team jumper. You save all that confusion, and again, you you actually look like you're part of the team. So this kind of slides me into where I wanted to go to start this conversation, which Lord knows if you listen to my show, I don't talk, talk a whole lot of NBA. It's just That's fine. a yeah. lot of the reason for that is I'll talk Hawks, but a lot of the reason for that is every show leading up to this one is talking NBA. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, my two o'clock gang, you know, they need a little switch up. There we and go. So we, we try to talk a lot of college football, which we're going to do, but... I want to talk NBA here because as I was consuming the conference finals this weekend and it felt like it was 2016 watching Golden State and as good as they have been yeah. uh, and just watching in fascination what's become one of the best playoff rivalries in sports, I think, Miami versus Boston in the playoffs is just awesome. Slowly but surely. Like yeah. I'm ha- Well, I'm having flashbacks to Paul Pierce getting wheelchaired out of the arena and then coming back in because Jason Tatum's having to get carried back to the locker room and then he comes back out at the <laughs> yeah. end of the game. Like 
a lot of people on Twitter were comparing it to like WWE, and I'm like, that's exactly what it feels like right now. That game had so much drama just in like the last two minutes. I was expecting like all of a sudden we're gonna have like Michael Jordan like air roping in to come in and jump down in the middle of the stadium, <laughs> and it's just gonna be somebody's gonna have a chair somewhere. Right? There's, there had to be some more drama. LeBron's all of a sudden gonna come back out in a number six uniform right. because he signed a last minute. 10 day deal with the heat. It's just like, so was all kinds of drama, right? That didn't actually happen just to be clear, but that's what it felt like, right? It could though. You, I mean, but no. Yeah. So as I was consuming this, I'm thinking, okay, the Celtics start of the year, people thought they could make it to the conference finals, right? One of the six, seven teams out of the East people are like, okay, yeah, they're, they're really good. They can make a run. Miami, a team that played in the finals in the bubble, Right. Uh, Golden State, I don't know that anybody had them making this kind of run and looking this good in the playoffs, which I don't know why you wouldn't when Clay Thompson got healthy. Yeah. Uh, and no, then exactly. and then the Mavs, no one saw them making this kind of run, right? What was the entire conversations were Lakers, Nets, right? Could the Knicks make that push past that first round? Do they even make the playoffs this year? Right? Like it's. I don't think so. But I mean, you have Milwaukee, the yeah, Suns. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different, like you said, there's a lot of different. People and, they were projecting to be there. And yeah. so as I'm consuming these games over the weekend, I'm like, there's a commonality between these teams. And to me, it's that word right there. They're, they're teams. Yeah. And so I went to the best website known to man, sportsreference.com. I spent way too much time on that website. No, Typically, the college football That's where you side. Should. Typically the college football side. But I, I went to sports reference and I pulled it up just to see, like, am I just assuming something here? Am, am I telling myself something that's not true, went, did about 30 seconds of research. The Miami Heat, and this is all based off of minutes played, the Miami Heat, four out of the top seven players in terms of minutes played for the Miami Heat this season, drafted by Miami, haven't played anywhere else. Golden State, four out of their top five players in terms of minutes played this season, drafted by Golden State, haven't played anywhere else. Right? The Mavericks, their top three players in terms of minute per game, drafted by Dallas. And Boston, their top four players, drafted by Boston, haven't played anywhere else. Number five, Al Horford. I got a couple of Hawks up there, former Hawks doing it, Al Horford yeah. and Dennis Schroeder. But True. it's drafted by that organization, developed by that organization, and are now starring for that organization as they're in their conference finals, right? Where I have been led to believe, and I have fallen victim to believing it, that the way you win in the NBA is super teams. I'm starting to think, I don't want to call it a phase, but maybe that was an era that we're slowly working ourselves out of. Right. Because we just watched LeBron and the Lakers absolutely collapsed. Like he finally got it wrong at what? 37 years old. Yeah. Right. He finally got it wrong. He won a championship in the bubble and then completely blew up the team goes against Russell Westbrook, gets rid of a bunch of key position players from that team to sign a team that he wanted to play with. And it blows up in his face. Yep. Right. The nets, they go get all the volatile personalities they can find. Yep. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, all of them you could find, right? Of all people, yeah. like, I mean, I think this the the 
cracks in the armor with the super teams kind of started a while ago, and for some reason, all of these players that you're talking about ignored it. And yeah. that team is the same, one of the same teams we're talking about right now in Golden State. They built it from the ground up. Kevin Durant, I call him a snake, but he joined them, yep. won a couple championships, and then he got that disease, man. I want to go, I want to do it with my team. This is Steph's team. I want to do it with my team. He runs away from championships to build his own super team. And like you said, it now it's starting to collapse. And and I would agree with you that, you know, that the the era of the super team is starting to go away. And I, I, I think if you start breaking it down even more, I think that the guys who are build trying to build said super teams are all kind of to be honest with you, not only are their egos super big, but they're all kind of fragile. Yeah. They're out a lot with injuries and things like well, that. They're LeBron, all it older, makes sense, so. right? The fact that he's been able to play the last four seasons as well it's as he in, has, insane, it makes yeah. sense, right? But still, at the same time, Father Time is going to catch up to all of us. At some point. Yeah. Right. Like uh, Maybe not Tom Brady because he's a witch, but <laughs> it's going to catch up to all of us. And LeBron, we finally start, saw him, like, before even last season, LeBron didn't get hurt. Yeah. Like, he would cramp up during games, and that's what people always point to. Like, oh, no, look, you know, he's, here he is, like, crying on the sideline. Like, no, that's cramps because he's playing so much. Mm-hmm. Right? LeBron didn't get hurt, and now we're starting to see the aging process take its toll. All of the years of up and down on hardwood, pounding on those joints, those, like, yeah. demigod joints, eventually is starting to show some wear and tear, right? It's 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 funny. I watched a video of Dwayne Wade this morning, and someone asked him, like, what made LeBron so so crazy, so inhuman? And he was like, I think the main thing that stands out is I would watch him get hurt, like roll his ankle, have like a high ankle sprain bad enough to where guys would be out four to six weeks, and he'd come back and give you 20 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't know where that comes He's from. Different. It's just, yeah. That's just what he did. But like you said, that you can do that. In year twelve and thirteen, and and you know somehow he got through it, and that's fine. Most people can't start getting to year eighteen, nineteen. It's a different story. But like that's how <laughs> nature's supposed to eventually work. <laughs> right. But that being said, I just yeah. I have found it interesting in these playoffs. I think it's probably the storyline of these playoffs because you do have all the separate storylines, right? You have the resurgence of the Golden State Warriors now that the that trio is all healthy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have Steph Curry doing Steph Curry things, Clay Thompson just catch and shoot nightmare for any team that tries to defend him. Draymond Green, to me, is like one of the most valuable playoff players ever. Yeah. Right? And it just kind of gets overshadowed because of how good the rest of his teammates were. Right. But, like, he's the dude you want in the foxhole in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, like, you you have seen the resurgence. Like I said, watching them, it felt like it was 2016. I was sitting at Cody's house watching Golden State. Mm-hmm. Right? And Andrew Wiggins, a guy that a lot of people gave up on after his time in Minnesota. They're like, yeah, just come be the fourth best player on this team. Yeah. Jordan Poole. Yeah, like you're freaky. You're yeah. freaky. Just come be the fourth best player on this team. Uh, then you have guys like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, who what has the conversation always been about them is they can be your number two, but yeah. if they're your best player, you can't win a championship. Right. Right. Well, they, they put both of those guys together, right? Kyle Lowry, amazing basketball player. Jimmy Butler has been known to just establish his own kind of culture and then you bring Jimmy Butler down to Miami put him in heat culture with Pat Riley who has a very similar mindset to Jimmy Butler and all of a sudden it's worked out beautifully mm-hmm. right but also you have guys like Max Struess who Chicago gave up on 
and he comes down to Miami, and they actually put the time and the work in with him, and he's one of the best shooters on their team now. Yeah. Right? So you have guys who weren't drafted, but also maybe some people weren't willing to take another chance on or give them the deal that they probably deserve. But at the same time, Miami, with the Bam out of bios, right, and a plethora of other players that they have, like Tyler Hero, yeah, who saw him being this good. Bubble boy. Right, right, yeah. right who saw him being this good, right? Guys that they drafted and developed, it's just kind of encouraging to see development, draft capital, because what professional sports league puts less stock in the actual draft? Yeah. Now nah, you're right. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's go get somebody else that somebody's developed for five years and you can give them a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much the main thing it is. And if they're, I mean, even in the NBA, right, if there's any sort, you know, for a long time, if there was any sort of an extended development time for a certain player, they, they were probably going to get given up on before they realized their potential. It's, yeah. it's just, it's sad, but it's true. They'd be playing overseas and you'd hear about them. Oh man, that's a really good overseas player. I wonder why he didn't work out in the NBA. He simply just didn't get the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like now at least maybe they're, they're starting to get a little more that time. But uh, like you said, you know, when it when it comes to draft capital, I mean, think that they have this lottery where you know half the teams in the bottom half of the league are, are just in a bucket. Yeah. Now, let's see. Let's let's see who you get, and um, you know that you go back to how small the draft is and everything too. It's it's wild. It's wild. A tweeter but, writes in, Dallas didn't draft Luca, Atlanta did. Okay. No, oh, come on. True. No. He's not terribly no, wrong. No, that was that was a draft and trade. <laughs> yeah, it was worked out. Yeah. That was a draft and trade. Come on now, but I'll say, it does give me it's insanely excited. It does about give that me one. hope for the Hawks. Right, the core of Atlanta is drafted by Atlanta. Yep. Right, Trey Young, Red Velvet, John Collins, those all, all guys drafted by Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do have hope for them. Their Hawks. It's a team that was right there too. Uh, I mean, just just last yeah, year last made year that was run. Weird. Yeah, last year was weird, or this past season, I should say, was weird because you come off that run where yeah. they took the chance to the edge. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened this past this past season. Hopefully, they're 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 one or two, one or two, you know, lightning strikes away in the draft or free agency to to kind of getting getting right back there. Because it's it's definitely become a place where before it was you lose everybody. And you don't really get the free agents. Like you get a Joe Johnson or a Paul Millsap. Yeah. Right. But you don't really get the free agents. I think that probably changes now a little bit where they see Atlanta can win. Uh, that being said, right now you have Miami up two to one in that series. And then Golden State tomorrow uh, is going to go for the sweep as they're up 3 0 yeah. on Dallas. This is old school Golden State. It really is. I like it. It's, it's why every single one of those games has been insane too with like. Dallas up by I think like seven or eight in in a couple of those games and uh, the Golden State Warriors just making a making a comeback there in the second half. An interesting fact about that that Miami series too. They're up two one. They've outscored Boston in two quarters so far, and they're up two one. That's crazy. It's wild. Still, one, <laughs> one of my favorite things is or one of my favorite things in sports is Golden State down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, just watching how fast it can evaporate. Just. In an instant. Yep. So, again, really interesting conference finals, and I think no matter what matchup you get, it's going to be an awesome finals. Agreed. Like, I mean, yeah. Miami, Golden State, Boston, Golden State, 
I think Miami Golden State is probably the one I would look forward to the most because you'd have like basically a football team against a basketball team. Yeah, I want to see like when you talk you about Butler that matchup versus too. Draymond. Exactly, that's the matchup I was going to yeah. in in a heartbeat because like Draymond, man, while I like I hate rooting for a team that's playing against him just because he has that mindset. Like you you talk about it all the time in football. He is in Dominican Sue like mindset wise on a basketball court. Like he's gonna get under your skin in every single type of way. And like I know Steph Curry can get under people's skin with his like hitting shots and looking away and you know the shimmy and whatever. We saw some last night. Yeah. But when Luca got mad at Steph and started chirping at him, guess who was the first one there? Draymond, Draymond baby. Because he knows he knows his role. He also he knows how he plays and he knows what's expected of him. And not only that, it works. It's worked for years. And it's still working. So, like, yeah, I would, Listen, I would it, love to see Jimmy Buckets against Draymond. By, and I, I don't know, was Mark Jackson? He had to be. Yeah, Mark Jackson. It was a wonderful job, just that pairing, right? Because you have Draymond Green coming out of Michigan State, and like, yeah, you, he, Mark Jackson said he felt like he had the best bat, best backcourt in basketball yeah. before he was fired, and yep. Steve Kerr took over. But what do you need if you have two? I don't want to use the wrong word here, but. Like smaller, I guess. Yeah. Guards. I wanted to use the word like slender, petite kind of guards. Like well, in terms of like against other NBA people, Steph Curry's yeah, small. He right? is small, and even even Clay Thompson is he's long, but he's, he's slender. Big for, he's big for a regular person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's big for a regular but person. But in terms of the yeah. NBA, if you're gonna have that backcourt where it's it's very finesse and yes. you're putting up a yeah. lot of shots and you're not really driving to the hoop too much, right? You need that enforcer. Mm-hmm. out there that's going to be able to protect them, and Draymond's done a really good job. And what's funny is, like, Draymond's kind of undersized, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's Charles Barkley-esque. Right, right, yeah. but he uses it in an incredible way. So, and could give yeah. a lick about scoring, which <laughs> I absolutely love, because he's sure. kind of like me when I play basketball. You know, boards and passes, baby. That's it, man. All day long, and if you need somebody to poke a chest out, that's me. Let's take a break. I want to come back. Uh, I have an interesting question here for PJ. Got a top five list uh, to get to here as well. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We'll be back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside the venerable PJ Zuko. I don't even know what that means. I don't know if I'm illegally allowed to call you that, but I did. So here we are. All right. Well, let's just move on then. PJ, <laughs> there's been a ton of movement this offseason in college football. I think something that we're just going to have to get used to as we move forward in the future of college football as the SEC is having their meetings down in Destin <laughs> this week, which could you pick a more SEC city to meet in? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm sure I you mean, could. Unless they were like, all right, we'll see you guys in Nahana. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel I feel no, like, I just imagine if you ask every single SEC coach, you're like, hey, what is your just like dream vacation? Well, yeah, I think like, that's, where do you want to go? That's like, the main in thing. The world, anywhere in the world, where do you want to go? Destin, uh, Florida. Destin, baby. Destin. That's, that's my it, destination. Man. I'm surprised they're not doing like I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it's not spring break. Are you imagining like, Jimbo Fisher like walking by Nick Saban? They're both wearing like the dad khaki shorts. Jimbo Fisher has on his best sporting goods store, like vinyl button down, like fishing shirt. Of course. Nick Saban's probably wearing a like 2006 Alabama OG year polo. 
with the hat with like, like the definitely cotton with like a thick white stripe on or something like that. Yeah. He's he's got the uh, what's it, what's it called? What's it called? The, the like the hat? straw hat. The wicker, the wicker hat. hat. Yeah. yeah. He's got to have that. No, man. I I imagine like they're not side on each other. I think what's going to happen is this week the the press are going to go if it was like LA, right? With the paparazzi just crawling around everywhere. I don't know how much SEC coach paparazzi there are crawling around Destin, Florida. That's all but crawling around Destin, Florida. If if there was I believe we would see some pictures this week of old Jimbo and Nick in on some beach chairs on the beach after the meetings, sharing a drink, catching up, saying, ha, we got all these. It's weird. We got all this SEC media wrapped around our finger. If I I'm, think that's exactly if what I'm we would see. If I'm in Florida, I am taking the, the post-firing press conference from Ed Orgeron where he said, yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's been a long time. I'm going to take – Vacation, we're gonna go down to Destin, right? Like, literally said Destin in his exit press conference from LSU, of course. So, anyway, we have SEC meetings going down in Destin, which where else would they be going down? Uh, but that being said, we've had a ton of movement this offseason, none more so, I think, than in the pass catcher quarterback category, true, like big time pass catchers, big time quarterbacks moving from one school to another. And so, I ask you. Top of mind, because I have my top five list here, but top of mind to you. Top five list. Yeah, but I don't need a top five from you. I just need your best that comes to the top of the mind when I say quarterback wide receiver duo in college football. Um man, that's that's a really good question. Although I don't think you have to go very far to name it. Now, top top um, five guys that like would include a I some sort of move. I don't need top or, five. I just need like your number yeah. one quarterback wide receiver duo in college football. Just overall of overall. college football, not just the guys that, who have actually right. moved or anything right. like that. See, that, that makes it a little bit more difficult because, I mean, honestly, like, I know that they had a lot of guys move on, but at the same time, I'd probably say Bryce Young and anyone who's catching footballs so for him at, at Alabama. That's the thing. I think Jermaine Burton is is really, really good, although I don't know if that's the best connection. So with that being said, Corey Brooks, maybe? Well, number I actually think the more I, I get a chance to think about this, it's probably Stroud and Smith. Smith and Jigba. Yeah. In at Ohio State. That's that's probably the easiest one. And then the two is is yeah, Bryce Young and maybe Jermaine Burton, maybe whoever, you know, breaks out and develops on the other side of that. Maybe even coming out of the backfield there in Gibbs. But Ain't lying. probably probably those those couple guys first. So I at Ohio State. I would agree. With you. Those are the ones it. that come to mind for me. So I think there's three duos that. I think a third one just got made. Correct. Yeah. I, I think there's three yeah. duos that really kind of stand out above the rest. You mentioned C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. C.J. Stroud, I think there's a legitimate shot. He's the number one overall pick in next year's draft. I know everyone's in love with Bryce Young, but I think you can flip off those guys one two, right? In terms of who's going to go in the draft, depending on who's picking F. Jacksonville's picking number one again, probably Will Anderson. Yeah. But if the Texans are up there or if the Panthers are up there or if the Falcons are up there, somebody like that, those two guys are going to be one, two off the board. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba to me is far and away the best receiving threat in college football right now. For sure. And, and I do want to get like something straight, by the way, Uh like I, I understand the whole, I'm a Penn state fan, Ohio state jokingly. uh, I don't want to talk about them, blah, blah, blah. 
I have a two-year rule with, with Ohio State quarterbacks. Okay. I think what you say is very true about C.J. Stroud, and, and if he is able to prove it this year and has just a, an insanely good year and you know it shows a, a consistent uh, deep threat throwing the football, then yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He, he could take that number one spot at the quarterback position. But that's exactly why I have a two-year rule with, with Ohio State quarterbacks is so many times we see like a flash in the pan, one insanely good year, someone takes a flyer on them, and turns out, well, they, I understand this is a big part of college football this year, but like, or, or these, these years, but turns out they, they threw crossing routes and uh, jet screens and things yeah. like that really, really well. And they didn't really develop in a lot of other areas. So that's kind of why I take a flyer on the first year for Ohio State guys. But I do agree with you. This C.J. Stroud is right there. And if he's able to have a huge year this year, he might be able to take that number one spot. We'll see, though. Yeah, and so C.J. Stroud, unbelievable. Jackson Smith and Jigba, fantastic. And I think they have an argument with Alabama for the number one offense inside of college football. Uh, In terms of Alabama, Bryce Young, to me, is the best college quarterback. I think the only reason Stroud would be picked over him is just somebody likes his size more than Young's. Understand. But in terms of, like, Seeing what that dude can do with his arm, he made a couple of throws in the national championship that were like Kyler Murray doesn't make those throws. Yeah, right. Like not trying to single out Kyler Murray, but I'm just saying he's making throws that a lot of NFL quarterbacks can't make. Marcus Mariota, all right, can't make those throws. Yeah. Okay, he's making throws that I would say Tua can't make. Where you're just you're, you're watching what he's throwing over and just the location he's putting the ball under that pressure. The dude's different, and he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback. And it looked like there might be a drop-off in terms of wide receiver talent this year, just relative to how good Alabama's been. And then they go take Georgia's best receiver. And I don't know that we ever saw Jermaine Burton's full potential inside of the Todd Munkin offense, but when we did see him featured, the dude was filthy. Yeah, I think back to the Mississippi State game where JT Daniels like made his first appearance, but in the national championship, they couldn't cover him. Mm-hmm. And he actually had a, a wonderful semifinals as well against Michigan where he just toasted a corner one-on-one down the sideline. But when they needed a playmaker in the national championship, throw a comeback route to Jermaine Burton, flip it to the other side. We're going to run a stop and go with Jermaine Burton and get a 15-yard pass interference penalty against him. Later in that drive, we're going to come back with a slant route. Like the dude, I think that that three-minute span, Nick Saban was like, yep, I want him on my team next year. <laughs> right? Right. And so I think Jermaine Burton easily could have a 1,400, 1,500-yard season next year for Alabama because I think right now he's far and away the best receiver on that roster. So I'd have them inside the top three. And then, yeah, I'm putting Caleb Williams inside of and, – and Jordan Addison inside of that top three. But what I will say with that one is watch out for Mario Williams who also transferred from Oklahoma to USC <laughs> and had, I think, 800, 900 yards as a true freshman – yeah, with Oklahoma, and now he's out there with his head coach, with his quarterback, and so the continuity for sure with Mario Williams and Jordan or in uh, Caleb Williams with the attention that Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, is going to require mm-hmm. Mario Williams. I think could end up with more receiving yards next year. But for duos, I'll say Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. Now, I think there's a few you need to watch out for: Hendon Hooker and Brew McCoy. Okay. Now, yep. we're talking about USC. Brew McCoy played for USC, missed a season because of some off-the-field issues. Former five-star wide receiver, kind of swapping 
as Velas Jones heads from Tennessee to USC. Heard a lot of good things about Tennessee. Brew McCoy has now transferred from USC to Tennessee. So Hendon Hooker adds a five-star receiver to his arsenal, and Hendon Hooker was unbelievably good last year. Yeah. So I'd put them up there. And then one from the ACC you need to watch out for, my man Brendan Armstrong, slinging it around there at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Got a new coach there in Tony Elliott. Uh, going to bring that kind of Clemson-style offense as Bronco Mendenhall just kind of retired out of nowhere uh, at Virginia. But bringing that Trevor Lawrence-style offense to Virginia with a very good quarterback already in Brendan Armstrong, which is there a better name for a quarterback than Armstrong? No, I don't think like, so. Is, yeah, this, you can't. Is, is Jackson Dart better of a quarterback Jackson Dart name? as a full quarterback name is better, but just Jackson as, a, X. as a pure last name, Armstrong is one of the best you can have. Okay, so you, so you have that. Now, as Brendan, I don't know, but but then Brendan, I mean, it's, you know, just last name wise, yeah. it's really strong. Yeah, yeah. But it's Armstrong. Okay, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. But he has <laughs> his own Cordell Patterson, right, on offense, and one Keaton Thompson. Now, here's what I love about Keaton Thompson is. Cordero Patterson wears a weird number for what he does for the Falcons, right? 84, playing running back a little bit, playing everything for the Falcons. Keaton Thompson wears 99 for Virginia. That's great. And last year had 990 receiving yards, 247 rushing yards, five total touchdowns. Did he wear 99 last year? Yeah. That's awesome. And he had 999 yards. Yes. That's amazing. Right? 247 on the ground, averaged 6.3 yards per carry for the Cavaliers. Uh, last year, averaged 12.7 yards per catch. Only one touchdown uh, through the air last year. But, again, Tony Elliott coming in, I think he's going to do a lot of really fun things. And I will say this before we go to break. So those are some of the top wide receiver quarterback duos to watch out for. If I am saying quarterback pass catcher, yeah, Stetson Bennett, Brock Bowers is in I that top five. I know where you're five, going, yeah. Is in that top five. As they should be. But I was stri- strictly sticking to the – Rules of the conversation, which is quarterback wide receiver duos. And listen, if you want to throw AD Mitchell in there with Stetson Bennett, I'll hear it. Good point. I don't know if AD Mitchell's as good as any of the wide receivers that I mentioned there, but I'll hear the argument. That's what I I think I think at this not even this time, right? I think halfway through the year next year, if we did this list again, they might be up there. But I agree with you where, like, if we put A.D. Mitchell up there right now, other than a couple huge catches, obviously that monstrous catch in the national championship game, it would be a lot of projection on our point, right? It it would be a whole lot of that and a whole lot less of, you know, these guys are proven. Everyone that we've named has been proven already, I think, and is carrying that over into this year. Yeah. I think if we said A.D. Mitchell in this list, it would be purely speculation. Again, six, seven weeks into the season next year, he could very well be you know, second or third on this list, but we'll see. He's different. A dude who was a three-star, didn't have an offer from a Power 5 school and went and basically self-recruited himself by sending tape to coaches and, and going to camp. So A.D. Mitchell, really awesome story. But again, that's some of the quarterback wide receiver duos you need to watch out for in 2022. And they, You know what? New ones get created every day with the transfer portal. Oh, yeah. You never know. You think True. you have a quarterback wide receiver duo? They could be somebody else's quarterback wide receiver duo tomorrow. Uh, I just <laughs> read one of the greatest sentences I've ever read about the Atlanta Falcons. We'll dive into that uh, when we come back. And also some college football news to dive into as well. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We're presented to you by the Uniform Source, and we'll be right back after this. 
Well, if you weren't awake, you are now. Just blowing people away with a little flock of seagulls. Nothing gets the blood flowing like a flock of seagulls. That's all I'm saying. Flock of geese, maybe? No, not That's at all. Way it's got to be seagulls. It has to be seagulls. All right. I think, like, I mean, you're a big, G- <laughs> you're you're a big GTA video game guy, right? I don't want to say big. I've played it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember vividly driving, like driving around in driving down the avenue. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember vividly driving around in Vice City, and uh. and just listening to this song like on repeat. It's fantastic. As you should. Anyway, sorry. Uh, speaking of things that are going to be on repeat, losses for the Falcons uh, in 2022. <laughs> but our man Victor from The Athletic kind of summed it up in a way that I really appreciated. What it is, the viewing experience of watching the Atlanta Falcons. And he put an article out on The Athletic uh, taking the over or unders in terms of total wins uh, for NFL teams in 2022. And he actually, Falcons set at four and a half, took the over. On the Atlanta Falcons. Good for the Falcons. His reasoning, or and I love the, quali- the I love how he qualified this. His reasoning is, the Atlanta Falcons were pretty unwatchable at times in 2021, but comma they still managed to win seven games. <laughs> I would put, or I would change one thing in that sentence. Okay. And that's swapping but for and. Okay. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you because we did have that argument yeah. about you know everything after the word but blah or before the word but blah blah yeah, blah blah BS, blah. Yeah. And no. I would say this is one of the instances I would say that that's wrong because yeah, I, everything in that it. sentence is true. How much does it change where you say the Falcons were pretty unwatchable at times in 2021, but they still managed to win seven games? You're like okay, okay, that weak schedule. Now, if I flip that to the Atlanta Falcons were pretty unwatchable at times in 2021 and they still managed to win seven games, that just makes it seem like what they are, which is it's going to be hell to play them. <laughs> You're One like, way or the other. You this, might team, come- this team's 2-10. What? Why would they quit? Yep. Like, yeah, we're going to make this bad for everybody. Viewers <laughs> at home are going to hate this. Arthur Blank's not going to want to come down from the press box to watch this game. Mm-hmm. The announcers calling the game are going to hate every single thing we do, and Lord knows you're going to hate playing us. That's true. And you're probably still going to end up winning. You might win by two scores, but you're not going to have fun. And even if you ask them, though, at the same time, like if you pulled them aside, like like truth, the lie detector, whatever, you're like, do you guys even like yeah. this, no. Falcons? No, we don't. No. But we're still doing it. <laughs> we matter. hate this, but guess what? You're locked in here with us for four 15-minute periods, and there ain't a thing you can do about it. And we're going to make this miserable for everyone involved. I subscribe to that modus operandi. Absolutely. I subscribe to it. I will watch every game, every minute of the Falcons just want to make it as miserable as possible for everyone. Yeah. Because what are you going to do? Just like, oh, well, we could just kind of try to win games. No. No, I think you try to make it as miserable. I think you put two fullbacks in the game, <laughs> right? And you get three and a half yards at a time with Cordero Patterson playing running back, right? Mm-hmm. If Marcus Mariota starts playing too well, you put Desmond Ritter in there to see what he's got. Yeah. If he starts playing too well, Felipe, it's your time. <laughs> all right, because we want these games all within just a painstaking one score 
one possession all the way until the very end, but like a grand total of 36 points scored for both teams in the entire game. Oh, yeah. Listen, you can bet we're not we're not losing by 20, yeah. but we're sure as hell not winning by 20. Yeah. Take the over in terms of wins for the season, but never take the over in never. terms of score. Yeah, are you kidding me? I will say, I know we're joking about this quite I a bit. I ain't joking about nothing. I, I, I gotcha. At the same, we might not be joking, but it's funny. Um, at the same time, though, this is exactly what gives me a glimmer of hope for the Falcons. And not only, you know, the moves and leadership and everything like that moving forward, but that's the difference between the Falcons, to me, and the Jets, or the Lions, yeah. or the Jets. They're, they're all fake. There's a big difference. Yeah. And it's the fact that, of course, that there might be some hope, there might be some way out of there, and it's not just year after year of the same exact thing, but at the same time, you're not losing by 15 every game or 20 every game and walking in the stadium with bags over your heads. Like, there's at least, like, you're at least there. It might be painful, yes. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe that pain will... But no, but here's the thing. is fans, something else. fans eventually start to subscribe to that method of playing. To that mindset, yeah. Like, I think about in college football, Mississippi State, very much this team. Right, you bring Mike Leach in, and it's supposed to be these up-tempo offenses... And yeah, we're gonna give up forty, but we're gonna score fifty. Kind mm-hmm. of a deal. Even Mike Leach has been infected with Mississippi State itis, where it's it's gone into his soul. And now they have one of the better defenses yeah. in the SEC West, and they're okay playing a game that's twenty to seventeen. You know why? Because that's what Mississippi State does. <laughs> and if the Falcons want to be the Mississippi State of the NFL, I'm okay with that. I want them to be the team, not where you're like. Oh, I love to play the Falcons. Like that's that's for the really good teams. Like you get excited about that or oh no, we're playing the Falcons. That they're so good. No, I want people to like roll their eyes in the back of their head and pinch the bridge of their nose when they're like, damn it. <laughs> we have the Falcons this week. You gotta play the this Falcons. is gonna be miserable. Yeah. Like I completely subscribe to that. Absolutely. And I think Arthur Smith, like he I can see that like a, a small grin on his face as he looks over at the other coach and it's 13 to 11 in the fourth quarter. And he's like, yeah, this is what we live for. And nobody's having a good time. I'm here for all of that. Sometimes that can work out. Like Matt in, Ryan in was too way, good though, for the too. Falcons. Right. Sometimes that can work out in a big way though, too, because yeah. people start feeling that way uh, about, about your team. I feel like that, that breeds a sense of, of toughness and pride in what you're doing. And you know what that sounds a lot like to me? As you grow that, hopefully, and, and kind of indoctrinate that in your players and your system and your organization, and maybe you become one of those teams that is a bully up front and yeah. is a bully on those O-lines and defensive lines, it sounds a whole lot like those Baltimore Ravens teams All right, or Steelers teams. I mean, now. that's what you hope think, for, right? That's think, the end goal, right? I don't right? think Ed Reed or Ray Lewis are walking through those doors. That's the end or, goal. Or Suggs. I'm just saying, Maybe. No, I, I want... Because every week, no, is anyone the, saying, thank goodness, no, we're playing the Ravens the 2016 this Eagles. I, I like that a lot, actually, yeah. There's no reason why they should have been that good. Yeah, but I they mean, were. All they did was make everything miserable for everyone. I don't know. That defensive front was... Yeah, and made people miserable. It wasn't yeah. Ed Reed and Ray, and Ray Lewis. No, yeah, I'm not and saying Terrell that. And Terrell Suggs. And Haloti Nada. They don't have any of those guys anymore, but they're still doing work. The Ravens. 
That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Well, they're a great franchise. The Falcons aren't a great franchise. I'm not saying the, the, the GOATs, I man. want the Falcons to be the scourge of the NFL, PJ. Yeah. And I would be here for that, and I would watch every single game. Oh, we got to okay. take a break. We'll come back, get you ready for three and out next, right here on second down. All right, picture it, PJ. I'm trying. Go you're ahead. A, you're a member of the New Orleans Saints. I know. <laughs> I know it hurts, but you're 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 playing for the New Orleans Saints. You come to Mercedes Benz. You're ready for just another clash against the Atlanta Falcons. And but just the typical fashion, the Falcons ain't real mean, right? Probably gonna end up with a win here, even though you don't have Drew Brees anymore. Jameis just gave you a very passionate eating a W fingers speech in the locker room. And as you head out to the stadium. You just hear a rumbling, and it's quiet. And as you get to the entryway, where before it has said, Welcome to Atlanta, Atlanta is smeared out, and it just (laughs) says hell. And you run out onto the field, and it's just people in the crowd staring at you, and here come them Falcons, ready to make your life miserable. You'll probably still win. But it's going to be miserable. It sounds like a plan to me. I don't know. Falcons, if you guys want to call me, you know where I'm at. 912-342-7184. We'll work this thing out. Uh, three and outs coming up next. Ben Troop, Kevin Thomas, talking about Greg Sankey, trying to take over college football. Braves baseball back tonight as well. We'll see you, everyone. Minana.